This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 39, Tyler Naquin, Forever. Recorded on July 21st, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, I'm not even going to ask how you are today, because if you're not good after last night's game <laughs> and after these last couple series, I don't think I'm going to believe you. No, I, I confess I am good. <laughs> and you also, we were just talking about it, you won something from the Indians. You I won did. the thing that the I won. The Indians were doing like Twitter trivia today, uh, and I correctly answered a couple of the questions. I'm not entirely sure what I won. I think... I think I won a baseball autographed by Lindor, which would be pretty cool. Uh, there's some chance I won the the opportunity to watch batting practice from the field for a game next month, uh, which would be a cool prize, but somewhat problematic because I'm not in Cleveland. Uh, so I am yet to know for sure which of those prizes I have won, but I won something because I am oh so knowledgeable. You just went to the play index, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did something worse. When I, You're I guessing or you know how to look it up. Right, uh, one of the questions was, other than Lonnie Chisenhall, who's the other player with nine runs batted in in the game for the Indians? Uh, and that one was Chris James, and I randomly knew that because I remember writing about it when Chisenhall had his huge game a couple of years ago. Uh, the other one, I think, was... Uh, who are the... Two other, so yeah, so one of the questions was uh, about who other than Lonnie Chisenhall has had nine RBI in a game for the Indians. That was Chris James. That one I did happen to know because I wrote about Chisenhall's game when it happened and remember it. Uh, The other one was uh, Danny Salazar is one of three Indians pitchers to have 10 wins and 100 strikeouts in his first 15 starts in a season, name the other two. And I definitely had to use baseball reference to correctly answer that one with Bob Feller and Louis Tiant. I was even worse. All I answered was the last one because that was the one for the ball. And I just looked at their responses because I wasn't early. It was like 20 minutes late. And then just everybody else saying Chris James. And I figured that many people couldn't be wrong at the same time. So I just said Chris James and got it. <laughs> but I didn't win. You won. So I do think if you get the ball, it's only fair that, I mean, I'm the one who interviewed him. So I think I should get the ball. <laughs> I'll think about it. I mean, me and him, we're basically friends now, so he would want me to have the ball, Jason. Yes, when you think <laughs> about it that way, it does make sense. Although I interviewed him, way. too. He was a prospect, so perhaps we're going to have to cut the ball in half. There we go. As long as we don't cut the signature. No, we just get half the signature. I think that's fair. All right. I'll, out of the kindness of my heart, I'll let you choose. Do you want the Francisco or the Lindor? Oh, the Lindor. You could just pretend the Francisco's anybody. Nobody will believe you. <laughs> they're gonna think a truffle signed yours <laughs> yeah, francisco cervelli you got his autograph on a ball okay so believe it or not the indians actually did play baseball uh since the all-star break <laughs> when i sent you the notes for the preview i completely forgot they played the twins for some reason i thought they played the royals and had a break but the indians didn't play the twins and they were two and one against them so that was fun uh two and one against the twins He's two and one against forgotten the by baseball fans for 25 years <laughs> Especially this year. And the Indians are actually good against them, so that was different. Uh, the good over the last couple series, uh, Jason Kipnis, he has two home runs, ten hits, and seven doubles in that streak. And then we'll talk about him more later, but Tyler Naquin has been insane. <laughs> three home runs, seven hits, and three walks to only four strikeouts, which is nice. Then Mike Napoli, he had four home runs and only four strikeouts. In the bad, we might as well just call this the Juan Uribe category at this point. Uh, he was one for eight with four strikeouts. He has been just all kinds of not good. So what stood out between these two series, the Royals and the one that I completely forgot existed, the Twins? What stuck out to you? Uh, well, it's obviously nice to get off the second half on a good, uh, as I stutter and stumble. It's obviously <laughs> good to get the second half off to a good start, uh, especially beating the Royals two or three, since the Royals are still sort of on the fringe of contention. Um the offense just really continues to impress. Uh, they've hit like a bajillion home runs lately. Uh, they've hit more home runs than any major league team in the last month. Uh, I think 42 home runs in the last month. And uh, 
Yeah, already in July, uh, Naquin, Napoli, Kipnis, and Santana all have at least five home runs this month, even with the All-Star break in there. Uh, they just continue to hit better than anyone thought they would. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they'll continue to hit more home runs than any team in baseball during the next month. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've said since spring training, things come together, this is going to be a good offense. Things have come together, it's a good offense. Uh, and that's, the pitching is kind of as good as expected, and the offense is continuing to be the pleasant surprise. So that's all of the scoring, all of the power is what stands out to me right now. Yeah, I think bajillion home runs is a pretty accurate estimate of what the last month has felt like, at least. <laughs> Just between uh, Napoli, you wrote earlier about Kipnis's newfound power, and then um, Tyler Naquin somehow having a bunch of power. It's all been really good and fun to watch. And then obviously, oh, Jan Gomes, he injured. I didn't even have him in the notes, but he got injured. How long ago was that already? That was the Twin Series, right? Yeah, right after the break. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Jan Gomes is out now, so I kind of got my wish in Roberto Perez. That's not how I wanted it, but he's back in the lineup. He still does not have a hit. It's going to come. Don't you worry. But in 23 plate appearances so far, he still has a 348 on base percentage because of his walks. But still no hits, a couple strikeouts, so he still doesn't look great. But when you think about it, he wasn't going to be back for another week or two the way it was planned anyway. So he's coming back way earlier than he should have. He's basically rehabbing in the majors right now. Uh, splitting time with Chris Jimenez. But like you said, just the whole offense has been great. And the whole uh, Danny Salazar got his 500 strikeout in his start. He was good in his. Corey Kluber was great in his. He had a shutout over seven innings. Carrasco had two really good starts. So it's just everything is clicking right now. And I think it's kind of cool that everyone's starting to realize it too. Not just Cleveland. I think we were all excited for a while, but mainstream is starting to see that this team can do really good things. And they're doing a lot of really good things well. And it's going to count for something soon, I think. Yeah, I mean, talking about going back to, to Gomes, you know, I think we both thought it was time for a change, and certainly an injury isn't what either of us wanted. The flip side is, you know, this this forced the decision. So if Francona was sort of on the fence about, God, you know, I feel like, you know, we've got to get Gomes, you know, we've got to give someone else an opportunity, got to see what Perez can do. Gomes is just hitting so poorly. But on the other hand, he's a really popular guy with his teammates, and so, I, like, in a weird way, this is, I don't want to say nice, because, again, it's an injury, but it it eliminates that, like, awkward, hey, guys, we're sorry to bench one of you, but we're going to bench one of you. Like, that's not how it's playing out now. So he doesn't have to go through the disappointment of being benched. Uh, you know, we'll see what Perez does. But it, it, it did eliminate a potentially awkward situation. Yeah, it just made the decision easier, or just made the decision. Because we were talking about it before, that there's the whole human element to it, but now that's gone. Jan is injured, and so they got Roberto Perez. And, of course, we're going to talk about trade rumors more, too, but now they might get Jonathan Lucroy, who wasn't in the lineup today, and fake accounts are all saying that the trade has happened, and now we're in a minefield of trying to find when the trade actually happens, if it does happen. Yeah, I, I, I got duped briefly by a fake... Buster only report that the Indians uh, had, had traded, had, had gotten LaCroix from the Brewers uh, in a straight-up one-for-one trade for Bradley Zimmer. And the interesting thing about getting duped, uh, you know, thinking it's real, is I had, like, a real reaction to it. And I have to say, like, in that moment, I was okay with the Indians trading Zimmer for LaCroix. Oh, I'm very okay with a one-for-one one there. I think... I mean, well, um, Dan O'Dowd had his whole thing where he was going to do Clevenger and Hillman for Luke Roy and Will Smith, which is insanely good for the Indians if it happened. But I would be okay with a one-for-one one with Zimmer and um, Luke Roy. And you would be too, I take it? The O'Dowd thing would be great for the oh, Indians. Yeah. I can't fathom the Brewers would actually go for that. I can't I said fathom on Twitter someone would get fired if that happened. for those two. Um, I he's a, a a good player in a premium position who's crazy cheap next year. Like they're getting at least one, you know, top 100 ish prospect for him, I think. So I, I feel like if the Indians are going to get him, uh, Zimmer or Frazier would have to be involved. And so, yeah, if they can just give up one of those guys and nothing else, uh, I'd be cool with that. And I'd definitely be okay with it being Zimmer instead of Frazier. That was real. I found out for sure that I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Speaking of that, have you ever been, How is that the closest you've been to being fooled and making a post about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't get, you know, like I wrote the headline, picked a picture, wrote the tweet. 
wrote like the first sentence of the post. So it's not like I spent a huge amount of time on it, but I was like five minutes in and then it was like, all right, now I need to go get the, the tweet to link to it. And as soon as I actually looked at the tweet, I was like, wait, this is nonsense. All I had initially seen was multiple people reacting, like retweeting and reacting. Uh, but yeah, I would have been, I would have felt pretty foolish if somehow I'd gotten all the way through and had published something. I don't, I'm 99% sure I've never done that. <laughs> I would that would be the worst. I think that's that's all those people want to make those accounts too. Is this fool somebody with some kind of reach to say that it's real? Yeah, I, like I don't think I've ever looked closely at a fake one and been fooled. And I would have never published a post without looking closely when I was going to actually link to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I did waste five minutes of my life. <laughs> so well, I, I now cool. know definitively that I'd be okay with Zimmer for Lacroix. It is kind of neat that you almost went into like. I mean, the rest of us, we can say we would be okay with it, but you're the only one who has seen it and thought it happened and had a reaction to it. It's like you went in a whole other little fan dimension there, and you got your own little reaction. As a sports fan, to tell yourself something, uh, in 2000, when the Yankees and the Mets played in the World Series, I remember telling myself before it started that, you know what, I think I want the Yankees to win because I hate the Yankees, but God, if the Mets win, then both New York teams are winning, and that would be, I don't want any part of that. I think it would just be better to keep having the Yankees win. And that was so incredibly stupid. It took not even one full pitch into the game. It was like watching the players take the field. It was like, oh, no, I was, I was wrong. I definitely don't want the Yankees to win. So, like, when it was just an abstract, it was easy to think one thing. And I think trade rumors are the same way. But, yeah, in this case, I really thought it was real. Uh, and now I know. So we can just go right from that into trade. Um, what do I want to say? Trade scenarios or trade had a word here. The trade deadline, either way. What the Indians are thinking about doing, maybe. There's been some rumors. It's been pretty much all Luke Roy. A couple days ago, it was Andrew Miller. But ever since Jan Gomes' injury, which I still don't think they're going to go after Luke Roy just because Gomes was injured. I mentioned before that if they were going to... I don't think them losing their worst hitter has made them suddenly say, oh, now we need to get a catcher. If they were looking for one before and they're still looking for one, fine. But... I can't see Gomes going down and then them deciding that they want to catch her. And for what it's worth, they have said that they like um, Perez and Jimenez behind the plate. So, And, of course, you can't always believe that. But that's what they said so far, and that's kind of what they showed. So I still want a reliever. Have you changed at all what you want based on the rumors or just based on anything? No, I mean, I, I definitely think they need a reliever. Uh, you know, and things have been a little at least delayed the, the Yankees who lost this afternoon but had, had won four games in a row and I think sort of talked themselves into they're still contenders so they shouldn't sell their bullpen. Um, I, I think Brian Cashman really wants to sell and ownership probably is against it because they're the Yankees and they can't be sellers because they're winners and they're going to go for it. Um so, I, yeah, I think that's, I mean, sort of hold up for everyone who's in the market for bullpen arms is waiting for the Yankees to sort of decide definitively what they're trying to do. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely want the Indians to add another bullpen arm. Uh, you know, it's been talked about in the comments at Let's Go Tribe this week that, like, if you don't think the Indians should be buyers now, you're basically saying you don't think the Indians should ever be buyers. Uh because they're in a fantastic position to make the postseason uh, and can probably do that without making a trade. Um, but you want the best team you can have, you know, going into the postseason. And it's easy to talk about, like, oh, the window could be open for years. It could be. Um, or a couple guys could get hurt. A couple guys might not develop. And the window could slam shut a lot sooner than people expect. So, I mean, I don't want them to give away Frazier and Zimmer and, you know, sell the whole farm system. Uh, but I think they need to add someone, and I think a reliever, uh, you know, would be kind of the most obvious thing. And then if they can, if they decide to add a bat too, I'd apparently be okay with it. <laughs> apparently, as you found out, yeah, you know, the Mets are kind of a example of how that can happen in a year. Last year they were kind of like the Indians are this year, and then just a ton of injuries, which can always happen. Although the Indians have seen a bunch of injuries, but they recovered really well. And you mentioned about how the Indians can get to the playoffs with their current roster, so it's kind of interesting that. 
I mean, you're trading for a reliever now. Basically, what you're trading for is that one playoff game and like an elimination game in the eighth inning. So you're trading a bunch of farm prospects for that one inning. Because like, I mean, like you said, they're going to make it anyway. Even if they weren't, I don't think a reliever would help them make it. But I do think they're going to make it into the playoffs. So you're trading a lot for one inning, essentially, or just a couple innings in the playoffs. Which, I mean, if it helps you, that's good. But <laughs> I wouldn't be thrilled to lose Bradley or Frazier. No, I wouldn't want to move either of those two for a reliever. Uh, one of those two would need to be, you know, LaCroix or, you know, in the absence of some other equivalent position player name to go with. Um, but I don't think they would need to give up one of those two to get a good reliever. At least I hope not. I would hope not. I mean, I've seen some other Indians blogs and some other just random blogs have it like Zimmer and Clevenger and someone else just for Miller. I get these under control, but I wouldn't do that ever. Yeah. I like no, I, I've got to think there, I mean, Miller's great, but I got to think there's good relievers out there who could be had for, I mean, I think Miller could probably be had for that less, but if it turns out he can't, uh, I think, you know, you, you look at your second tier relievers then. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. You're, you're looking to pick someone up for a few innings um, but a few incredibly important innings, like, you know, the innings that you hope your team gets the opportunity to play. And we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, your best relievers are going to pitch a much higher percentage of your innings in the postseason than they do in the regular season. So they become relatively more important in that situation. Uh, and the Indians just, they have a need for a more dependable bullpen, even with a great starting rotation, uh, you know, the starters aren't going to go eight or nine innings every game, especially not against the, you know, the strong offenses they'd likely be facing in the postseason. Yeah, with Shaw, we've we've defended him. Everybody sort of, or I guess some people jump to his defense every time he explodes, but he has a bunch of good streaks, but then those blow-ups, I, don't, I wouldn't trust him in a playoff game because he doesn't just go bad for a couple runs. He goes really bad, and he would sink like, like an elimination game or something worse, I would think, so... Whoever they get, I just want it to be an upgrade over Shaw. Let him pitch. I don't want Shaw like gone or anything. I still think he's a fine reliever. I just don't want him in those high-pressure eighth-inning situations anymore, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, the next thing to talk about, since we're done with sort of done with trades, we'll get more to it when we answer people people's questions because obviously that was the big thing people wanted to know about. But something that's kind of made the trade season more interesting has been Tyler Naquin because holy cow, the Indians might have a center fielder already, <laughs> so maybe they can trade Bradley Zimmer away now. Maybe. They're not relying on him as their future center fielder, or maybe they can trade Naquin, which I don't like that one, but I don't think, like John Heyman said, our trade scenario anymore is Tyler Naquin for Jay Bruce. That almost feels like a ripoff for the Indians now at this point, or for the Reds. Um, but yeah, Naquin on the season. I guess it depends team, but I wonder, like, as consensus, if there, like, how, if there are teams who would now prefer Naquin to Frazier or Zimmer, I, I would think probably not because it's still only about, you know, 200 plate appearances. Um, but he has sort of, you know, somewhat definitively shown he can, he can definitely play at the major league level. And he's got a lot of room for aggression to still, be, you know, while he'd still be really good. Um, I have to think almost every team would still want one of the big prospects, especially because if you're trading for a guy like that, you're planning more for the future than the next few months anyway. But yeah, I mean, Naquin, I think, has exceeded everyone's expectations. I was talking with Jonah Carey on Twitter last night, and he was, you know, super excited about watching Naquin. Um, it's fun to have that guy. I mean, you know, most seasons have a guy who does, you know, whether you say he's playing over his head or just, you know, outplaying expectations. Uh, but it doesn't feel like the Indians, you know, Lindor was awesome last year, um, but in a fairly expected to be awesome sort of way. I think Lindor wasn't expected to be that good offensively, though. Oh, I mean, not that good. Not quite as high overshooting. Naquin, in, you know, since he came back up June 1st, he's been like one of the five best hitters in baseball. I mean, it's, and he wasn't a top 200 prospect at any time, so... Uh, yeah, he, he's been a blast. He's, I think, the front runner for Rookie of the Year probably right now. I don't know who else it would be. Yeah, there are a couple that could pass him. I can't remember who else. Uh, Michael Fulmer might as a pitcher. I cannot remember the other guy. Mazzara, I think. There's someone else who might pass him. But Off right quite a now, bit, I think, though. There's what? Fulmer, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, right I mean, now, just, you're right, it's Naquin. It's Naquin the last couple months. Yeah, and what, whatever he did when he went down in June, when he came back up, Something made a huge difference because, I mean, his on-base percentage since June 2nd, it's 411, and his 
um, slugging percentage is 761, which would be an okay OPS for some people. Yeah. But, yeah, he's been crazy. All 12 home runs has come since he's been come back up. And it's kind of funny that people, they point to him coming up in June and saying, oh, you shouldn't have sent him down. But when he got sent down is when something clicked somewhere. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like, I mean, he was playing pretty well early in the year. We just didn't really think it was going to last. It's not like his numbers were bad at the beginning of the year either. Well, they weren't bad, but they were not. He wasn't drawing a lot of walks, and he wasn't hitting a ton of home runs. But now he's got a much better approach at the plate, and he's hitting everything extremely hard, which maybe he was before. I just didn't notice. But a lot of it before felt like more like Bapit luck. I don't think it is as much now. I think it's just hitting really well. And I know probably like a month in the minors didn't create all that, but I still don't think it was a bad idea to send him down when they did. Clearly, yeah, I mean, well, results, I'm not going to argue. So, the, I mean, he was only down for two weeks, and whatever – impact that might have had you know i don't know i don't really care um whatever it is it worked he's been a monster you know in in not even eight weeks he's been back up he's hit a dozen home runs and if you had asked me before the season you know is tyler naquin ever going to hit 12 home runs in a major league season i probably would have said no so he's outdone what i thought his best season would be in like 35 games. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad way to overshoot it, I think. And just the way a way to look at how well he's hitting everywhere. Uh, he's got 39% has been pole hits, 35 to center, and 25 to opposite field, which a couple of those, I didn't look exactly, but he's had quite a few opposite field home runs, too. And then 42% hard hit balls. So yeah. there is some bat luck going on, but he is hitting the ball really hard and really well. Maybe yeah, he's just I mean, guessing and the 12 home runs, he's got like another 10 extra base hits too, like seven or eight doubles and three yeah. triples, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, like like we already said, he's been one of the five best hitters in baseball the last, you know, since he came back up. So do you think him playing like this affects the way in, the Indians are viewing Zimmer at all, even if it's just a little bit? Or do you think either way when he comes up, he's going to bump Naquin somewhere one way or another? Uh, I mean, I think it affects things a little bit. I don't think it's a we need to trade someone because there's not room for them all situation. Uh, just because there's, I mean, you know, we've talked about Zimmer and or Frazier being up next year and they certainly could be, but it also wouldn't be like a waste of their talent if they weren't up for a couple of years and a couple of years from now, even if Naquin, you know, tapers off a bit, but it's still really good. Michael Brantley's probably not in the outfield at that point. Uh, you know, Lonnie Chisenhall, it probably isn't someone you're you're worried about pushing out of a starting gig or anything like that. I mean, in theory, Frazier, Zimmer, and Naquin, that's your outfield in 2018. That is a very good outfield. But I do <laughs> think, you know, this, outfield. you know, I don't think they were like, oh, we can't trade one of those guys. And now suddenly it's like, oh, we can. But yeah, I think it does nudge them towards feeling more comfortable potentially trading Zimmer or Frazier. Yeah, that's, that's the way I would be too. I think it makes feel comfortable. Do we even want to talk about... Michael Brantley right now. There's too much. There's too many. No, it's just so depressing. Um, I'm choosing to focus on the fact that the Indians are like second in the American League and runs per game, despite basically not having Brantley all season. I'm not expecting him back this year, uh, and I'm just kind of like choosing to forget about him for the time being. (laughs) Yeah. So do we drop the Peter Gammons clock at this point? We know he's going to be right. It's over. He won. Yeah, I mean, there's never can, go against Peter. I guess that's the lesson. All of his butt tweets and everything. You can't. He's gonna be right no matter what he tweets out. <laughs> You've seen those, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Where it's just random characters that he tweets out for some reason. I One of these like days, gonna like been a, used to be a much bigger thing. I feel like he's gotten a grip on his butt or something. <laughs> I would hope so. That's probably gonna be the episode title. Okay, so. Uh, moving on to what baseball is coming up. The Indians are going to be playing the Orioles. Uh, last time they played them, I tried to look it up real quick because I forgot to do it before the show. When did they play them last? They, they lost two of three earlier yeah, this season. Three. I don't remember exactly when it was, but they lost two of three. Um, yeah, they won a blowout. Uh, they won 11-4, then they lost two. Both of them were 4-6. to six. That was before the Indians sort of became the Indians, I guess. That was in late May. But they're going to be playing him again. It's going to be Trevor Bauer against Dylan Bundy tomorrow, which, of course, Bauer was selected number three by the D-backs in 2011, and Bundy was selected number four in that same draft, so that'll be kind of neat. And then Trevor Bauer just shot straight to the majors, and Bundy 
he's kind of bounced around as a reliever a little bit. He hasn't been straight to a starter, but he's going to get the start then. And then it'll be Josh Tomlin against Kevin Gossman and Corey Kluber against Vance Worley. Uh, the Orioles are 53 and 40. They're second in the AL East. Uh, five and five in the last 10. They've been really, they started out really hot and all the Orioles fans were, <laughs> I think I said this last time we played them, but they were all over our podcast. because We made fun of them for their free agent moves, but they haven't been so great lately. The last series, they got swept by the Yankees. As they've been all season long, they're really good at hitting the ball really far. They're first in home runs, second in slugging, but they strike out the third most, and their defense is atrocious. <laughs> they're negative 13 defensive runs saved so far, which is 10th in the AL. So uh, what do you think about this series? This isn't the Indian's strongest group of pitchers, I guess, but it's still strong, and it's still better than what they have. <laughs> so like you said, at the All-Star break, they're going to have another great lineup of pitchers, I think. They're gonna, they are gonna—they have the advantage in every matchup again. Yeah, uh, I mean... Like you said, I mean, this isn't the three best pitchers, but you're sort of splitting hairs at this point when you try to figure out who the best pitchers are. I mean, Corey Kluber has the worst ERA of the five of them, which you oh, know, not that's the end-all, be-all or anything, but it does give you an idea of just how good the rotation is. Uh, yeah, I mean, Baltimore, I mean, it's sort of a strength versus strength when the Indians are pitching and, and Baltimore is hitting. Uh, you know, as you said, they hit a ton of home runs. They lead the majors. Um, you know, so I think it's a, they're a challenge for even good pitching, but the Indians lineup, I think is better than Baltimore's pitching. So, I mean, I feel like the Indians are the better team, uh, for whatever that's worth in a three game series. So hopefully we're looking at another series win there. Uh, and it would be nice to beat Baltimore just because Baltimore is another contender. Uh, and you know, to the extent that there's a knock on the Indians, I guess it would be that, uh, you know, they're destroying the AL Central and, and, and winning their interleague games but haven't looked great against the AL East and AL West teams are more likely to actually play in the postseason, which doesn't really concern me, but just as sort of like the narrative of the moment, it would be nice just to be like, well, there, they went on the road and beat a good team. Yeah, I'd be up for that. And then, of course, after this, they're coming home, so that'll be nice. Maybe a couple more sellouts? That'd be really cool. <laughs> I doubt it'll happen, but if they sweep the Orioles and come off the All-Star break 9-2... and two, those would be some pretty good crowds at Progressive Field, I think. Maybe at least enough so I won't hear the soda machine in the background of the broadcast. That's really all I want. That's my only measurement of how big a crowd needs to be. I know yeah, you know, that, you know they're, they're off today, and then after they play Baltimore, they're off on Monday, and then they're off again next Thursday. Um, so coming off the All-Star break, they've got this road trip, but then you know three days off, uh, pretty close together. So... You know, hopefully they continue to win series, uh, and then as they head into August, they should be really well rested for uh, a, a long stretch when they have very few days off. I think there's only one day in August uh, that they're not scheduled to play. Yeah, that, that's kind of the downside. I mean, they need to break now, I think, more than they would in August, maybe, because still that the ramifications of the 19 inning game, I think, are still going a little bit. The bullpen is still burnt out just from being the bullpen, basically, but... So are you worried at all in this series about Bauer and Tomlin both giving up a bunch of home runs? Because that's obviously what the Baltimore Orioles do. Or do you think, I think I have more faith in Bauer having it under control, but I would not be surprised to see Tomlin get just shelled this game. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Uh, I mean, certainly teams that hit a lot of home runs are more concerning to me than, you know, teams that, you know, score a lot of runs by getting on base and in that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I just feel like the Indians' offense is better than Baltimore's pitching. Uh, you know, if you offered me the Orioles as an Indians postseason opponent in the you know ALDS or the ALCS, uh, I feel like of the teams that it could be, Baltimore would be you know maybe at the top of my list. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I think we're going to see them give up a couple home runs during the series, but I think they can overcome that. Yeah, I think so, especially with the offense right now. And I forgot to mention one thing. I didn't even add to the notes. We have a very important story that happened this week, which is Trevor Bauer's drone. I don't know if you followed that at all. But it got stuck way up in a park in a tree, and he had to get it down. For some reason, his first idea wasn't just to throw baseballs at it. So he turned to Twitter to get a bunch of suggestions. People said, like, fire or um, flamethrowers and <laughs> cut the tree down. But that didn't work. And it just so happens that Trevor's second drone, the second one he takes with him, was in need of repair. I'm sure he has just so many drones, but... That was a fun little side story, is him getting a show. He did eventually get it back. Who was it? Some, like, attendant or some assistant in Kansas City? The help of people who work for the Twins? or I don't know. There, there was, 
it was in Kansas City. When he was thanking someone for getting it back, there was some mention of like the visiting clubhouse attendance or something yeah, like that's that. It. Yeah, but they, they, it wasn't Trevor Bauer that threw a baseball at it. It was the visiting clubhouse attendant. Trevor Bauer, Bauer noted in that video that, <laughs> you know my control, I couldn't hit it. Oh, that was great. <laughs> He's just so self-aware about everything. And as like a little tangent, I think baseball needs to embrace more of what like Bauer is doing. Because we talked about it either last week or the week before that they have a real problem with getting players' personalities out there and getting to know the players. But the way Bauer does all this like vlogging stuff and all those behinds the scenes, he posted another video of him doing his um, driveline baseball stuff. That was really neat. You got to see what he does before a start. So at the very least, I hope baseball isn't trying to minimize what he's doing with all this stuff. And at most, I would hope they're encouraging other players to do it. I think it's really neat. And that's, that's one reason I like Trevor Bauer so much, because I like personalities in the game. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's like him or not, he's not afraid to, to be himself. And, uh, you know, I think he's different from sort of the average baseball player in terms of his interests and sort of his, his mindset. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Indians do a pretty good job of, of putting attention on some of that stuff and having fun with it. And, uh, you know, I don't know what all MLB does, but he's also just, you know, not a big enough name at this point for me to expect MLB to be giving him that much attention anyway. Yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff with Trevor. Lots of fun. Yeah, I just prefer what he's doing over, like, because I know Bryce, Har- Bryce Harper does a lot of social media stuff, but it's always that, like, stuffy. You can tell it had to cycle through a bunch of different people before he could post it kind of thing. But Trevor, as you can tell, it's just him with a camera. He just throws some music on a video and posts it. So that's really cool. I just want more raw stuff. I don't like the, the, the overproduced kind of thing. Like, you can tell they're I do, too, but also, thing. like, to a point. I get why the they truth is, it, stuff's really raw, and then I totally disagree with it then it's like oh i wish i didn't know that um <laughs> i get i don't mind disagreeing i can't think of a specific instance where there was some kind of like behind the scene things i disagree did uh, that i disagreed with where i was i didn't wish i would have seen it i just like seeing that kind of stuff no like for me there's all kinds of stuff where like people like like political stuff or things like that where it's like oh, yeah. yeah i would have preferred not to have known that about you <laughs> but and then there's bauer too i mean when there was the debates he was doing stuff and fighting the people on twitter but I don't mean that kind of stuff. I just mean their everyday life. Not oh, politics. yeah, I agree. Like, outside of politics, just in terms of, like, what guys are up to, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm happy seeing all that sort of stuff. So anything else about the Orioles coming up or just anything in general before we get to social media questions? No. A week ago, I said I hoped we were talking about uh, the Indians having won two more series. And so I hope a week from now, I guess the series against Washington is only two games. But I, I want, I'll be greedy and say I want them to win that. I You know, they <laughs> Keep winning Sweet. series, keep building on the lead. They've got the best record and the best run differential in the American League. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, if they do win the series against Baltimore and then sweep Washington, maybe that could be a little, maybe a little tiny chip away at the narrative of they can't beat the good teams. Just yeah. a tiny little bit, maybe. Okay, so our first question, uh, kind of something we've talked about before, but we can address certain parts of it. But Jake Burns 18 on Twitter asks, would you rather spend more on a club-controlled Miller or less on a Chapman rental, considering the Yankees even sell? So, I mean, let's make it, because we talked about Miller and Aroldis Chapman specifically enough, I think. So, would you rather spend more on a player who's maybe not quite as good, but you have him for an extra year or two, or go out on a player who's one of the best at his position, just in general? Um, I mean, having the best is nice, but generally, I would rather, if the difference between the two players is pretty close, have the guy you're going to have longer. Yeah, that's that was my answer, too. <laughs> And specifically with Miller and Chapman, I would want Miller because the cost controlled and the fact that Chapman just is not a good person. It'd be hard to root for him ever. Once you get into the specifics of it, which I know some fans don't care about at all, but I can't bring myself not to care about. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, in the specific situation, I would prefer Miller. And in the general situation, I would prefer the guy that you've got, you know, under team control for a longer amount of time. And well, I mean... Chapman's great, um, but he's not – is he better than Miller? I mean, you know, if you look at their numbers for this season, Miller has the lower ERA and the lower FIP. Uh, you know, his strikeout rate is actually higher. Um, his walk rate is lower. I'm not I'm not sold on the fact that Chapman even is better. You know, the, even if you could have them for the same amount of time, for the same amount of money, um, you know, I, I guess – when you go beyond this season, you'd have to give Chapman the edge, but I don't think it's much of an edge at all. At the very least, it's close enough, like you said, where if it's close, you'd want the one where it's longer to control. It's like a coin flip how good they are, but I I would take the one where you get an extra year or two, too. 
Especially yeah. for a reliever, because you get like 20 innings out of them for a couple top prospects. That's sad. <laughs> okay, so our next one is Rocks Fox Sports on Twitter. Kristen Johnson, she posts a lot on fan posts and stuff in the comments. She wants to know, what do you think of this piece from Baseball Perspective? Which I sent the article to you. Um, I'll post it in the, the link too. But it's basically, I mean, it's Baseball Perspective, so obviously it's a level-headed argument. But they're basically saying the Indians aren't as good as a 14-win team, and they're also not as bad as they looked at points this season. They're just kind of somewhere in between. They also brought up the point that the the narrative that they're beating only bad teams in the AL Central, which is kind of true. They only beat them up. They played a bunch of AL Central teams. But what do you think about um, the post from baseball perspective? Yeah, uh, Kat Garcia is the author, um, and she does good work. Um, I can't say, you know, I read everything she's written or anything like that, um, but I have a high opinion of her work. And... Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I would say ultimately saying the Indians aren't as good as their record makes them look. And uh, as you said, you know, she she brings up, you know, beating bad teams and losing to good teams, which is true. But it's also, uh, you know, the good teams in the American League that she's talking about, uh, you know, the Red Sox, the Orioles, uh, the Rangers, the Astros, um, you know, the teams that they're most likely to play. Yeah, the Indians have technically lost more than they've won against all four of those teams, um, but they've lost one more game than they've won against all four of those teams. Uh, they're they're two and three against Boston. Uh, they're one and two against Baltimore. They're one and two against Texas. Um, so it's not like they're getting swept or killed by these better teams. So it's not a big concern to me. You know, I'd rather have a big lead in the division and have lost a few extra games against good teams in other divisions than have a better record against good teams but have lost a couple more games against Detroit and Kansas City and only have, like, a three-game lead. So, I mean, to her point that they're maybe not quite as good as best record and best run differential in the American League, um, I can buy that. I'm not convinced they're necessarily the best team in the American League. Um, but it doesn't concern me. And she talks about their offense being average overall and below average for a contender. And I just don't think that's true. I think, you know, whether you look at runs per game or, you know, weighted runs created plus, which is sort of my favorite metric, um, they rate as above average in both and as sort of average among contenders. So I guess I would disagree with that part of her argument. Um, I think as playoff contenders go, the Indians have an average offense and really good starting pitching. And there's no reason a team with that combination can't win the World Series. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I think the offense is better than she says. And the thing with the teams is if they didn't beat all these teams, we'd all be saying these are teams they're supposed to beat if they were a good team. So, I mean, there's no winning. They have to play who they played and they beat them really well. So that's what good teams do. And then another thing she says is that the Indians' bullpen is better than their offense. She said a little bit better. It's imperfect, but a liability. Um, I'd have it a little bit lower than that, I think. <laughs> Maybe it's just watching and seeing too, one too many implosions and I'm just getting used to it. But I would rank their bullpen as their biggest weakness at this point. I think yeah, I do think there. every team that has a not great bullpen is probably more bothered by their bullpen than like non-fans just because watching your own team's bullpen screw up is like the most painful thing. I feel yeah. like it stands out a little bit more. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. The bullpen concerns me more than the offense. Yeah, it was a really good post. Cat uh, did a good job, and thanks, Kristen, for asking it. So our next one is Cleefan684 on Twitter. He wants to know, uh, it's probably been asked before, but if you're Cleveland, do you give up two top five prospects for Luke Hoy, Will Smith package? Are you including Zimmer or Frazier? So uh, basically he's asking if you could make a non-dumb version of Dan O'Dowd's <laughs> trade proposal what would you put in it i would put one of zimmer or fraser for sure not both of them but one of them i wouldn't hesitate at all to put them in something else for both luke Roy and will smith because they can get a catcher and a reliever in a deal i am all for that so basically zimmer and fraser and nearly whatever else the brewers would want i would throw in there what about you i mean yeah i would say like in terms of top five guys and i mean then we get into who are the top five guys and there's no consensus there I feel like if if somehow they could get those guys without giving up Frazier or Zimmer, 
Um, you know, just, just about any two guys would be fine with me. Um, Do you think they can, though, without Zimmer and Frazier, or Zimmer or Frazier? Not to, un- unless the Brewers are just a lot higher than I am on, you know, at least one of those other guys. Um, and, and I'd be fine giving up Frazier or Zimmer. Um, I wouldn't want to give up. I don't think I'd give up like another top five guy with one of those. I'd, I'd want more of like a little lower down secondary guy with one of those guys. Um, I'd be, I'd like to have Will Smith. He doesn't move the needle a ton for me though. So I wouldn't want to give up like Zimmer and another top five guy. I don't think. I think the good thing about the Brewers where they are is they would be okay with someone like Hillman. I mean, obviously you need something more than Clevenger, but they're a ways away from competing. So they would be okay. I think with those, those deep down in the system prospects like Hillman and I wouldn't count Gia in there, but there's a few other down in like Mahoning Valley and Lake County where they're still a ways away, but that's okay for the Brewers, and it's not going to help the Indians in their window. So I'm okay with quite a few of those. Who would you, you know, with, with to the extent that we can know the prospects, um, who would you rather the Indians trade away, Zimmer or Frazier? Mm, oh boy, I think Zimmer. I'd rather keep Frazier. Yeah, me too. I, I know it shouldn't impact the Indians' thought process, but Tyler Naquin has definitely impacted mine a little bit. Just the fact that he's been so good. I mean, it's not completely shaping my decision, but knowing there's at least maybe something there for the future, because Clint Frazier has been so good, and I think he's going to be really good in right field or wherever they put him, that I'm okay with Naquin or somebody else in center if it means keeping Frazier in right field. And that has almost nothing to do with the fact that Zimmer hasn't looked great in A this season. He's starting to get a lot better now, but I don't. He, his stock in my mind hasn't dropped a ton. It's just that Frazier's been so good, and the Indians have Naquin and maybe maybe another outfielder coming. No, they don't. But, but yeah, either way, it's Frazier. That's my choice. Okay, so what is the next one? Cawthorn Sid. uh, Sid Cawthorn on Twitter. He wants to know, if the Indians trade for Lucroy, again, a bunch of Lucroy stuff, does this mean the end of Gomes as an Indians catcher? I would hate to see him go. I'll let you take that one. So if the Indians get Lucroy and still have Gomes when he gets back, what's going to happen there? We'll say long term. I think in short term, obviously, Lucroy is a catcher. But is this the end of Gomes on the Indians if they get Lucroy? I certainly don't think you keep them both for next year. Um, so I, I mean, I think, yeah, you potentially, I think you look to trade one of them during the off season. And then in terms of which one it is, I guess it, you know, comes down to what even think of that. I mean, I think pretend, yeah. I mean, that if, they, if, if pitching staff loves Gomes and he, you know, if they think he can bounce back, um, you know, then you can still get a lot of that value that you just gave up for the pro. You can get a lot of it back, you know, by trading away a full season of them, um, because the team you're trading to at that point can can also anticipate getting a big draft pick when he leaves if you trade him during the offseason. So I don't think, I mean, in some ways that would be like an interesting just plan is to trade for him right now, figuring you can boost your catcher by a lot for the rest of this season in the postseason, hopefully, and then you can get back like 80% of that value by, by just trading them away and going back to Gomes. So I yeah, don't think really they keep both catchers, but I don't think it's necessarily Gomes who gets traded away. Wow, I did not even think about that. <laughs> Although, it's in, what do you think the fan reaction would be? I guess either way. So if the Indians do that trade and they win the World Series, are people going to be pissed that they traded the catcher away that helped them win? And then, like on the flip side, if they make that trade and don't make it, it's going to look like... I mean, most people should know that they made the trade. It's not a guarantee. But most people would see him making the trade and then see him trading away for not all the value and think it was a waste. So I think either way, a lot of fans wouldn't like it, but that is a really good idea. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you if you're going to trade him, you have to trade him during the offseason because the second next season starts, a team who trades for him can no longer get a draft pick for him. So his value plummets the second the season starts. Um but I don't, you know, I mean, his trade value would be lower than it is right now. Um, but to the right team, it wouldn't be dramatically lower. So, yeah, you, you'd, you'd be giving up some value in the return. But if you think you're going to win a couple extra games the next, you know, two and a half months because of him, and you think, you know, he boosts your chances of winning the World Series if you make the postseason by, I don't know, even 5%, 10%, I think that's worth the the lost talent you can expect between the two trades. Yeah, definitely. I really like that plan now. <laughs> I didn't think about it at all, but I want them to do that now. I, it depends on what they trade for Luke or I guess, but I like the idea of renting him for half a year and then trading him. That's really cool. Okay, so our next one comes from Facebook. It's Mark Shelton. 
Sheffleton, I think. He asks, is Lindor a stronger candidate for the Silver Slugger or the Gold Glove? Uh, I think this one's pretty easy. The Silver Slugger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's that close to a Gold Glove. I mean, he's fourth in WRC. He doesn't have as many home... Or WRC plus. He doesn't have as many home runs as the other shortstops. And he is tremendous as a defensive shortstop. He's first in defensive run saves with 11 and the next closest to the Wits to get six. And he's first in UZR. Um, do you disagree with that at all? <laughs> no. I mean, no. he's... He's hitting so much better than I thought he would. I thought he would be an above average hitter. Um, but, you know, he's solidly above that. Um, but he's not the best hitting shortstop in the American League. Um, whereas his defense, you know, there's a completely legitimate argument that he deserves it. And I feel like he gets a lot of attention for it, too. So, you know, I was certain he wasn't going to start the All-Star game because he just he doesn't have that kind of recognition yet, but the recognition for the gold glove is a little different than the recognition to be an all-star. So yeah, if the, if the Indians win the division, which shouldn't matter, but probably does. uh, And he continues to hit well, which shouldn't matter, but definitely does. uh, I think there's a good chance he will win the gold glove. Yeah. And he makes, again, it's not something that should matter, but he makes a ton of pretty looking plays that it gives him a lot of attention. Yep. That's another big thing. I would give him the shortstop gold glove and maybe like split the second base gold glove. Just whoever wins it has to give him half. I think he's deserved that much. He's been that good. <laughs> so uh, we'll finish up the questions uh, with one from AJ Boyer24 on Twitter. He wants to know what has surprised you most about this year's team? Um, Do you want me to take it first while you're thinking of something? Go for it. Okay, mine. Probably the obvious one is Tyler Naquin. Uh, we already talked about it. He is. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody saw him being this good <laughs> with this many home runs. And weirdly enough, this bad on defense. So he's a surprise in both directions. His offense has been amazing. His defense, not quite so much. But I guess also just the whole outfield has been a huge surprise. Jose Ramirez playing well in left field. Just the fact that the Indians haven't missed Michael Brantley a whole lot is a huge surprise. Led by Naquin and Davis uh, and Ramirez and even Chisholm in right field. So I guess the whole outfield is my answer. <laughs> Mainly Naquin, but the whole outfield. The obvious and correct answer. Um, (laughs) I guess since you handled that, I'll look at the pitching side. um, And in terms of something that's a surprise, that all five guys um, are pitching as well as they are. I mean, I thought the rotation would be really good. um, But I sort of figured, you know, four of them would be really good. And, you know, maybe even three of them. Um, I didn't think all five guys would be you know, top 15 or whatever they are in a lot of the categories. Um, so the the starting rotation to this point, um, you know, being five for five. Just because I don't think you should ever expect that. Yeah, we... we Our and Tom have both, season. you know, been better than projected or anything like that. Yeah, you usually expect maybe three. We were... I mean, we didn't even think Bauer would be in the starting lineup to start the season, and now he's one of the the five that are great. And if I was going to go just to expand a little bit of prospect, I think the other obvious answer, but it's worth mentioning, is Francisco Mejia, who, wow, <laughs> the Indians suddenly have a legitimate catching prospect. Oh, he's a switch hitter, which is also great. Um, apparently his defense hasn't been great this year, and he's been sat out a couple games lately, which kind of looked like a trade at first, but it might be a disciplinary thing. We don't know. I mean, I haven't heard any kind of confirmation about that, but that's just kind of a thing out there. But just the way he's playing has been a real surprise. So as, as far as prospect goes, he's my biggest surprise there. I know you don't follow the minor leagues quite as close, but do you have any prospects who have surprised you? Um, no, I mean, to the, like, again, the, the farm system as a whole, when you, you know, look at the top 15 guys or so, most of them are having good years. So, uh, you know, between Naquin far outperforming anyone's expectations and a lot of the other guys. I mean, I think you've got to really applaud, uh, you know, the, the Indians draft team and development team. Uh, you know, the, the year that Naquin was drafted looked like sort of a, you know, a black hole draft, but now suddenly they might have a rookie of the year come out of it. Um, oh, I, I'm really impressed with, you know, what, what the, 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 player, the, as I said, the drafting and development has been, um, you know, three years ago, the Indians had, you know, probably one of the six or seven lowest rated farm systems. Um, in the last couple of years moved up, you know, kind of into the middle and then in the top half. And I feel like at this point, you know, they have one of the top eight or 10 farm systems in baseball. And that's even with 
you know, guys like Lindor and Naquin not being counted because they're not in the farm system. It is just the whole... Are the drafts just better than we thought, or are they getting better recently? Because, I mean, these aren't recent drafts at all, so nothing's really changed. Just, I guess at the higher levels, players have been getting really good, so... There were something in the water changes in the draft team, I want to you know, 2007, definitely, and then I can't remember what the other year was. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of what we're starting to see in Cleveland, you're looking at, you know, four or five years ago. Um, but again, the guys they've drafted in the last few years, um, every, you know, almost all of those guys are doing well on the farm. So whether it's drafting better or developing better, things are clearly going well. And as we wind our, our baseball talk down here, I just want to point out that Indians still haven't made a trade. <laughs> right before we started, it was pointed out that Jonathan Lucroy was out of the lineup, but still no trade. So if this goes up by tomorrow, and Ten we're not days, to so a trade, there's so. plenty of time. Something's going to happen. I'm convinced. It better not happen before we release this. I'm going to post it early in the morning just to make sure. Because <laughs> part of me was hoping that something would happen while we were doing the show, and then we could talk and then quickly edit it and get it out. That'd be some good timing, but. Just don't do any trades between now and 8 in the morning tomorrow, Indians. <laughs> That's all I ask. So, uh, what are you going to be doing next week and this week and all that fun stuff? Uh, I don't think I've got any big plans. So, watch some baseball, mow some grass, try to survive the heat we're going through in Chicago right now. Do you guys have a drought too or no? Uh, it's been pretty dry. I tend not to think of it as a drought just because I'm not a farmer, but I guess it's been pretty dry. We have just a straight up drought advisory. <laughs> All our grass is dead, and and no, we've had we've had some rain. It's been a little dry, but I don't I don't think it'd be considered a drought here. I'm almost gonna be playing Pokemon. I haven't had a chance to play it. Maybe one night since the last time we talked. I've been waking up in cold sweat, swiping my phone, just trying to catch something. <laughs> you're falling way behind if you're only playing once a week. Your Pokemon are gonna get destroyed or something. <laughs> or something. Well, tomorrow. I'm going to miss the Indians game, but it's for a good reason. It's because me and my wife found a baby, or not a babysitter, but my in-laws are going to take the kids for the night, and then we have another set of friends who have somebody that's taking their kids for the night, so four grown adults are going to pile in a van and play Pokemon all night. Sweet. That's right. the life right there, <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> and if I can convince them, we're going to listen to the Indians game while we're doing it, but I don't think I'll win that one. Well, yeah. fight the good fight. <laughs> you need to start playing. It's going to happen. I don't think it is, but... I've survived the initial wave of hype. I feel like if you don't get pulled in by the initial wave of hype. And for what it's worth, the Hill the Hillcats, they opened up their stadium to do Pokemon Go, but they're kind of late on that now. You had like a two or three day window when you can do that. The Rubber Ducks did it. The Clippers did it. That was fine. But the Hillcats are doing it, I think, like next week. Have we ever talked about their awful names on the podcast yet, by the way? Uh, I, think I think a couple weeks ago we talked about the voting. Okay, because they're all terrible. I don't know who's winning, but <laughs> I just want lamb chops. Okay, so anything else? Not for me. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, and go to letsquotribe.com. See you later.